Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the phenomena of 1999 huddled here in a bunker from the year 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. 
And back with us is Sean O'Connor, who is probably inching up on the Five Timers yes. Club, Sean. He's wow. Getting, he's getting there. I didn't know you guys had the Five Timers Club on this. I'm so excited. Yeah, of course. Of course. All, all great podcasts do. Wow. Steve Martin, Paul Simon, Justin Timberlake, yeah. and me. Uh, that's right. Wait, Justin that's Timberlake's right. in the Five Timers Club? Oh, that's, yeah. That's I, disappointing. Uh, it, 50 timers club him and yeah. Fallon and just brought yeah. him on every other week I guess yeah, it's, it's true I, didn't I think even that. like Melissa McCarthy's in the five timers club now yeah. like yeah so it's not as illustrious as, as it once was yeah I mean I <laughs> it's in, but Buck Henry's in the five timers club <laughs> like it, I don't it hasn't ever been that like it just means that you uh didn't pull your dick out in front of the cast after party. pretty much yeah <laughs> It means Lauren Michaels has your number on speed dial just in case someone drops out. Correct. And you live yeah. close enough and yeah. you're funny enough that you can put a monologue together in 20 minutes. Um, just that's why we bring you on, Sean. Yeah. So yeah. we were good. We, we were supposed to have Paul Thomas Anderson on for this one. It's true. But it's he true. dropped out 20 minutes ago and we yep. brought Sean yep. on. We for, figured we'd, we'd just, bring so wait, Sean on. Uh, so, yeah. Sean, you've done uh, Boondock Saints and Dogma. And, and 200 cigarettes. 200 cigarettes. 200 cigarettes. So is this four? This is four. This, this is, is four. four. Yeah. This is, it feels like five. <laughs> it feels like five, but we'll get there. We'll get there. How oh, many? We're going to get we'll there. Get there. I mean, I, although there. I, my, my fear is upon watching this, this is the very bottom of the barrel. Well, I wouldn't be so sure. <laughs> but I, but I will say that. So this week we're going to be talking about Y2K as a, as a phenomenon to some degree. Um, and that, but we're also going to be talking about the NBC TV movie Y2K colon Countdown to Chaos um, that starred uh, Kevin Olin and uh, and Ken Olin. Ken Olin, sorry, Ken Olin. Um, on uh, it aired on November twenty first, nineteen ninety nine. This was um, this might be one of the lowest budget things we've covered, Kenny. Do you think that that's, I mean, low? I mean, I don't know how low budget this is, but this is looks like it was made, you know, on a fucking Mac <laughs> computer. Like it, it a, looks, it like looks like an EMAC. It's like rough. A, it is a rough looking thing. Yeah. I, it was one of those movies where I could not figure out where the money went. It, correct, like, correct. You know, like uh, NBC definitely gave, yeah, definitely gave them a budget, and they chose to use it on nothing at all, like directly yeah. into their pockets. Was this a money laundering thing? Well, what's kind of amazing about this is it's actually kind of a perfect analogy for the Y2K bug, in the sense that it's clear that they made this two weeks before it had to come out, and it was just a rush job. And it's not to say that Y2K was a rush job per se, but the person that discovered the potential Y2K bug. Um, his name, I have it here, was Eric Nagam. No, my apologies. It's not him. It was uh, Bob Bemmer, who noticed it in 1958 and spent basically 20 years of his life screaming from the rooftops that this was going to happen and everyone just flat out ignored him. Um, now, whether or not there was any money to be saved had they gotten on this earlier, is obviously we'll, we'll we'll never really know, but um, this movie, this TV movie, felt like something that they were like, "Well, this Y two K thing seems to be a thing. Can we make a shitty TV movie out of it?" Yeah, I, watching it, it did it 
did make me re- uh, remember that there were so many shitty made for TV movies in yes. the nineties. And Which like, I miss. that is just gone now. It's gone. gone. That does it's not gone. exist. Like you cannot go into NBC and be like, Oh, COVID 21. Uh, like, <laughs> no, nope. Nope. yeah, the, these days, what happened? That's a really good point. What, what, happens and what is happening is Adam McKay goes into HBO and says, all right, we're going to do our version of the current event that just happened with COVID, but there's going to be a lot of flashy editing. We're going to have a lot of big stars. We're going to make fun of it. And you know, that's, that's where we are right now because we are, uh, we're, we're just so beaten down by life. But I miss the, I really miss the straight face, like yes. a made for TV disaster movie set five minutes in the future. That was, this, it this was movie just, was terrible. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm very nostalgic for this type of movie. Well, yeah. I mean, there's an earnestness to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. When there was a time to your point, Kenny, where it's like now everything is jaded and meta. And, and if you, you know, if you go see or, or watch, don't look up. You know what I mean? It's it's just it's 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 such a bloated, crazy thing. Whereas this movie, for all of its not particularly goodness, is at least like kind of I don't know. It knows what it's doing. It's it, not. It's earnest. It's very. I mean, the thing is, is I. It's very fun to watch a movie about the Y two K bug yeah. before Google existed. So like, <laughs> yes, they. Were, they didn't even know what Y2K was. And that was very apparent throughout the movie yeah. because they never explain what it is. They never explain what they're supposed to do to stop it from happening. Yes, it's just point. like, there's just computers everywhere and you are like, oh, these people are hard at work. Uh, I have many <laughs> thoughts. I have so many thoughts about this movie. Yeah, but yeah. like, but truly, like, as after watching it, I had to Google what Y2K was about because yep. this movie did not explain it at all. At all. all right, Sean, what did you find? Yeah. About Y2K? I <laughs> no, mean, the movie. All right. So I, I watched this movie <laughs> yeah. halfway through. I mean, not halfway through. With, with, with about half of my uh, attention yeah, because, yeah. you know, I kind of knew what, what was going on. And uh, I have no idea what happened. All I did was I did notice that there was, you know, no... Uh, there was no proactivity on behalf of the protagonists. Things just kind of happened. And I think that there was going to be a giant meltdown in Seattle, but I don't know why the only meltdown was in Seattle. They're in the last possible place on earth. Um, but you know, there's a giant meltdown in Seattle and there's some Chernobyl illusions and we were supposed to be along for this ride with Ken Olin, which, you know, like, sure. You're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. You could have just put Joe Morton in the lead, but uh, I when I saw yeah when I saw Joe Morton, I was very excited because I thought he was going to be the star of the movie. And I'm like, you know what? Like he's kept up with it. He's Cyborg's dad. We all love Cyborg's dad. Yes. Yeah, like I was, dad. yeah, I was. He's, so the, he's the dad of several cyborgs. Yeah, this is was, true. This is true. But then instantly uh, they they painted him as the cynic that was going to get his comeuppance from the first line mm-hmm. when he goes uh, like because when it's not a simulator and he goes aha turns out you were wrong to Ken Olin and as a simulator why did why was he bragging it's a misdirect for no reason well the simulator is I would argue the most exciting part of the whole movie. Because you movie, think something's going to happen. Yeah, the movie opens inside an airplane. I was really cockpit, hoping for that Die right? Hard 2 thing. That's, I was too. 
Uh, wait, wait, wait the, the lights are so yeah. You you can explain what happens if you want. It's, to I mean, listen, guys, it's 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 what you would expect from a Y two K disaster film, which is the new millennium is approaching. Everyone's scared that because our computers were two digits rather than four digits when it goes to zero zero at the millennium. All the computers are going to shut down. It's going to be pandemonium. Planes are going to be crashing. Nuclear plants are going to be melting down. It's going to be just absolute chaos. Um, and the, the movie opens inside an airplane cockpit that you think all the lights have gone out, all the power's out, and this plane just crashes to the ground. Um, and unfortunately, that's not real. It's a simulator and you know that was unfortunate yes what kind of was i was kind of like it would have at least been an interesting way to start it but i I will say after the it was revealed it was a simulator i was so mad i turned the movie off and i was like i'm going to watch this tonight and then i ate an edible and watched this movie because i perfect yeah i was like i i was so annoyed that they did that and i'm like oh this movie's just going to be them talking and pacing it's a psych out if it starts with a psych out you know you're not going to see any good shit yeah it's all right. So I actually I want to all right. So I want to break down this movie a little bit now that you guys are talking <laughs> yeah. about it. But I do want you know. So they they're in the cockpit and yeah. all the lights like you know on the grid of the city go out. And you know I did think like these people. This takes place in ninety nine. These people have seen Die Hard too. You know what yeah. to do in this situation. Fire. You put a lot of gasoline on, <laughs> on on the runway, and you light them up. Everybody knows this. But so this, what, what I actually found interesting is what I found interesting is you're totally right. Total jerk off. Totally hated it. Uh, and then they went into probably half an hour of establishing that Ken Olin's character has the wife who works in the ER or the OR. And has the daughter who's a, you know, a little, uh, a little rambunctious. She's, she's a, a rebel. little bit of, she's a little, little bit of a rebel. She, she's a rebel. Uh, I will say it became, it became so apparent when they introduced the, uh, the two like, guys, the, the, this, this, no, the daughter character uh, uh, yeah. that this was written by men in their fifties, uh, yes. who have no idea how teenagers talk. So they put totally in every single line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also I, love I that really her friends are named that. her friends are named Chaos and Chaos like a Clipper. Clipper? Yeah. Okay. Her two hacker friends are in town. Uh okay. So so she's going to hang out with her two hacker friends. This reminded me of the setup of every single like event series pilot from 2000, every lost ripoff from 2000 to yesterday. Like, this is also kind of what happens to fucking manifest. Also, also, what happens, happens is like La Brea. This is also like what happens. Like, they are always the same. You have some <laughs> hero on the inside who has a wife who's like tangentially involved, usually in the medical fields. Oh, no. The hospitals are going to be affected. <laughs> and some rebel daughter. It's always a rebel daughter because girls daughter. are very vulnerable yep. who is, uh, who's, you know, has some friends adjacent to the industry that's going down. It's like it's like oh my two volcanologist friends are in town. Uh, I'm gonna go hang out with them on top of a volcano. Uh, this is what fucking happened in yeah. fucking afterlife too. Yeah. Like this is just what happens in these movies. Yeah. And it's it. I actually like now this does happen on the tail end of these nineties. Uh, disaster movies yeah. that that did, had the same setup over and over sure. again. This is true lies setup as well. Sure, you know this is Elijah. So when you, you're speaking of like your your volcanoes, Dante's Peak, Armageddon. No, this impact, happened in that kind of this happened in features yes, in the yes, ni- throughout the nineties, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then this movie came out 
brought it to TV. <laughs> yeah. And then when TV budgets exploded, yeah. when like kind of, you know, 94, I'm sorry, 04, when Lost, Desperate Housewives and Grays mm-hmm. proved that like you can kind of have these big event series worth throwing money into, you had all these terrible shows. Yep. You had Fast Forward. You had Phantom. Threshold. You had, you had Threshold. You had all Surface. these shows that started the exact Surface is what I meant, not Phantoms. Same yep. premise. Same, uh, same <laughs> Affleck killed in the Phantoms. Yes. Uh, Affleck was the bomb of Phantoms, okay. I think is the one. Uh, uh, <laughs> that should be your Twitter bio. <laughs> but Affleck was amazing. But that, so th- 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 there is this weird thing where like th- this setup works really kind of well in a feature, um, I guess. But uh, because you expect nothing, but it, but on television, it's so uh, it's it's so tropey and exhausting and boring. And it did give birth to all of these horrible, you know, uh, television shows. Pretty much everyone from 05 forward just sucked, like deeply yeah. sucked. Oh, yeah. I, I remember my first time uh, in Vegas when I moved to uh, L.A. I, I was visiting there. I was part of a focus group for NBC's Revolution. Yeah, and, yep, yeah, yep. I remember and, that. And they, I, like, I feel like I changed that show for the worse because <laughs> <laughs> Revolution was the J.J. Abrams pilot or show. Yeah, about premise, uh, they just about a world it. like post electricity. Yes, we yes. lose and yes, and uh, it was about a dad and a daughter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I remember because I was with my wife at the time. She's from Chicago. I remember a lot of it took place in the Drake in Chicago. It was very Chicago. Yes, it is a good premise. It was it was executed terribly. Yeah, I, I probably do think because though, of Sean. Yeah, it was me because they they wanted you to not think that Giancarlo Esposito was evil. Oh, yeah. And that's post. It was post Breaking Bad too. So yeah, he, so he was already like, Mister Evil. Yeah, yes. yeah, but they 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 dressed him like Morpheus. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and, yes. Yes. So I kept trying. Uh, whenever they would show me a picture of Giancarlo Esposito and how he made me feel in his different outfits from the show, I kept trying to make him more Morpheus. I sure. Guess. Great. Yeah. Morpheus, Morpheus is, you know, he's, he's universally good. I he's a good guy. He is. Yeah, he's a good guy. I do I can't think, remember. Though, Did he that, end good in Revelations? Yes. 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 He ends. He ends good. I I do think though, watching this, I did think that it shows how good Twenty Four was when Twenty Four was good. Do you know what I mean? Like Excellent. that is that show understood itself quite well. Now, admittedly, you still had his daughter getting stuck in a bear trap, and you you had stuff that was season like, two that was dumb. But in terms of With the Johnny drama finding her. Sure. The execution, that's the best that this could possibly expect to be, is what I'm sort of getting at. This this Y2K movie to me shows if you don't put any effort in, the whole thing's laconic. No one has any urgency really. Like there's no real like propulsion to this thing. And part of it has to do with the fact that obviously we're looking back and we know that Y2K wasn't a thing. I imagine if maybe you watched this in 99. Would it have been scary to watch? I don't know. I well, so I was thinking about that and thinking about how this really truly felt like 
your uncle listened to conservative radio and then pour like a script poured out of him of like <laughs> what he tried to understand yeah. from like deciphering it. And it does to me, it feels like a fear tactic. And I think like uh, mm. through reading the Wikipedia, it kind of worked because a bunch of people were like, this movie's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This people were really scared about this. Like actually like the, the technical inaccuracies on a lot of, of tech sites, we're talking about like, this is dangerous. Yes. And it, and it, and it is because it's irresponsible. It does, it, it's irresponsible. <laughs> it doesn't explain what it is and it doesn't show you what yeah. they do to yeah. fix it. Yeah. They, and it, that is a huge problem. And I mean, like uh, on top of that, like just story wise. Yes. Uh, I have huge problems with it because I know Ken Olin is your protagonist, yeah. but like, what does he truly want? Like, it doesn't seem or like. do. Like what do. can he yeah. do? Yeah, like that's what is the biggest his... thing. What can he do? <laughs> yeah, you don't see it. You just see him like shaking his head and saying, yeah. "I was right." Yeah, like, which is like <laughs> that's not enough. <laughs> but but to to just piggyback on your initial point on the irresponsibility to give context, I think that if Fox News could make a movie like this about how the Biden administration has fucked up the COVID, whatever they would. And that's what yeah. this feels like. It, it feels uh, similarly kind of uh, irresponsible. Yes. This is like that perfect, like the perfect storm after like the Clinton scandal. This is like, yes. this yes. is, this is a, this is conservative media that we just watched. <laughs> it feels that way. Although ironically, it's written by Pat Cadell who wrote on the West Wing. So I don't, so it's, it's kind of I think you guys are being a little hard on it. I mean, not <laughs> not for that. It's 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 very bad in all ways, right? Maybe but, not politically, but it's it's. They, all right, I I guess I'm looking at it almost inverted, which is, uh, at this period of time, these fucking networks like O.J. Simpson kills his wife. Three weeks later, there are two fucking movies on the air. You know, sure, Andy sure, Fisher sure. shoots Mary Jo Buttafuoco in the head. Four yeah. fucking stations. Put all four networks Lorena put out Bobbit. a movie on it. Lorena, I don't know if there was a Lorena Bob movie, but there easily could have been. Um, they this was do think it, Vivid made that one. <laughs> Vivid did make that, uh, uh, <laughs> but I think, but I think, I, but I think John Wayne was in it. He yes. was. <laughs> to prove his uh, dick still worked. Was yes. that basically the point? It was. Yeah. It was. Yes. It was. Check, it was. Check out my my dick. Um, it still works. <laughs> look at uh, so we, but I look at it like this: like, all right, movie of the week. The, the movie of the week department must have been some miserable place at these networks, right? They must be sitting around being like, "What horrible fucking tragedy can we exploit?" And someone said, "We have to make a Y two K movie." And everyone said, "Of course, we have to make a Y two K movie. Like, we have to." And they they went up to the head of NBC at the time and said, "What do you think of Y two K movie? Gold. I love it. Obviously, everyone's freaking out about it. Everyone's talking about it. We don't even need to advertise. Great. What do you do at that point? That's my question. Once, like you know, once someone got it in their head that like we have to make a movie about Y two K." How do you make a good movie about Y2K? Because you can't make like the fun movie, which would be like Ocean's Eleven during Y2K. You know, like you like like that's not what they're asking for. They're asking for like do no play out the play out the worst case scenario. So I think the only thing you could do at that point is do a real Day of the Locusts and just have everyone fucking die. Yeah, (laughs) I I also thought 
Is there a version of it where you see the apocalyptic wasteland that's been created by Y2K and then you rewind to see how you got there? Better. Like, I, so because part of the problem with this, there's a lot of problems with this movie, but it's such a straight line and there's very little that can really be done about it, right? Like we just talked about how our, how inept our hero is where you're just like, you're not in, you're not invested anyway. Yeah, his his team of hack like his team his I, I don't even know what their jobs are. So I was about to call yeah. them yeah. hackers as well. They kind of are, yeah, but yeah. yeah, they're his IT department because that's it's what just they are. Julie from uh, from Friends. Yeah, that was, uh, right. That was Julie. Yeah, yeah. and then was, uh, Zach Julie? Zach Ward from Titus. Who's right. supposed to be the comic relief and can't deliver a joke? Oh it like God. really broke. It broke my heart how. Not fun. This movie is. They don't yeah. have fun with any moment. Because I was, I was thinking like there was a moment that I was just like, "Ooh, this actually could be pretty good." It's when the uh, Navy officer kind of goes full Captain America when he's like, "I'll celebrate yes, later yes, when they yes, drop the yes. ball in Times Square," yes. and then he puts on the saddest version of All Things Iron. Uh, like, you know, which I thought was—I yes, 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 thought yes. it was a great version. I was like, "Wow, yeah. where, where'd you find this?" Ex- yeah, that where'd whole scene. I, working overtime. It, it reminded me like the first GI Joe movie. I remember raving to my friends because there was the scene where Dennis Quaid's character just listens to patriotic music alone in his office, and I was like, "That is so fucking like." It's foundationally weird. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in a movie, and seeing this guy being all sad and talking about Times Square being the only real ball that drops. I was like, the movie should have way more of that weirdness. I agree. I'm, I'm looking up the credits for the director of this movie because I'm curious as to he has 63 credits. I just let, as let a it director, be, let it be known. He's a, yeah. he's a director. Yeah. I mean, as you would imagine, they're, they're mostly TV movies, but, um, but around 19, he's just done a million TV movies and, and smoking the bandit three. I mean, he did an episode of NYPD Blue crossing Jordan. But like, again, this guy just really churned out a lot of TV movies. Well, the other thing this reminds me of is this this feels so much like that that wave of procedurals we got right after this. Right. Like this, the, the, the hacker guy who's dressed a little different and can't deliver a joke and the manic pixie dream hacker girl. Uh, is in like every one of these fucking shows, every CSI and NCIS, and, well, and yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're they're so bloodless and 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 you know uh, industrial, and there's so much like satellite footage, you know, with some green shit around the place, and and you know, but it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's all amazing. it's all so sterile, and that's well, how this yeah. felt. This felt really sterile. When I I would have had people eating people in the streets. Yes, I no honestly when you meet when you Kenny's version when you meet that couple that couple that is like the guy's going to propose to his girlfriend went on the one of the horse yes who I I assume are only in it to just get it to time because they. I have no reason for being in this, movie. and they are two of the worst actors I've ever seen. The worst, not and their like, fault. Seeing them in uh, they're born that way. they were born that way. Seeing them, Can I in just Vancouver. say though, her line, "Steve, I love you, and I will marry you, but let's first get the hell out of here." Yes, yeah, I mean, like that. it's <laughs> it's pretty good. It's not it, that's there's worse moments in the correct, movie. correct, correct. But like 
I think if they were like actually stuck in a riot and separated, that's a more interesting story than them being on a horse-drawn carriage uh, for the majority of it and then going to a biker bar that for some reason mm-hmm. he's friends with. He was friends with everyone. That that square with Luke Perry sideburns was yep. friends with every fucking low life in the city. <laughs> Honestly, a more interesting <laughs> movie is finding out how he knows all those people. He, he was friends with the he was friends with the guy who who, who had the handsome cab. And the guy, she, the girl's like, "How did you get this uh, this handsome cab?" No one calls it handsome cab, except uh, Kramer. And he's like, "Well, you know, I once mopped up toilets, so I knew everybody in the city." And the guy turns around, he's like, hey, "Where do you want to go with my handsome?" Cab? <laughs> he's like, "So we're gonna take you guys." But can I just say though? Like I was watching this and thinking about like your classic Roland Emmerich, who I feel like is uh, for our generation the disaster guy, or at least like that's kind of the 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 watermark. Yeah. And what his films do well, even if you like his films, is he's got a bunch of different characters, right? They're really ensemble pieces, and you're checking in with all these different people in all of their different ways that this disaster is affecting their life. Unfortunately. This movie doesn't do that really. I mean, you've got the teenage daughter, you've kind of got this young couple, but like, I don't really know why I'm supposed to care about the young couple. Exactly. Like, the teenage daughter at least is like related yeah. to the guy correct, who's correct. in the control room. Yeah. These two people are just there. Just so, there. like, if you spread that out and have like five or so different stories going on and in, in the city, but they're all in different cities, they're it's, all over the place. And also, like, that to me, the, the part that's most unforgivable about this is I'm supposed to believe. They took a helicopter from Washington, D.C. at 1230 when also all electricity has been going out. So how do they fucking fly that all the way to Seattle for their midnight? That makes zero Zero sense. The other thing, too, is that early in this movie, when you when we first meet Joe Morton, he he's walking us through this like I, I guess you would call it this like computer headquarters whatever we want to call it and he's explaining that there are 18 midnights which is supposed to sound daunting but it just sounds dumb like i know that there are 18 time zones but at the same time it just doesn't it doesn't have this foreboding quality that they necessarily are going for it, sh- it should have been called 18 midnights right it's a better yeah. title it's, it's like 200 title. cigarettes yeah 18 midnight wow you uh, really are you're really our uh, new year's correspondent Sean. yeah you Is are new year's i can't believe you weren't on for end of days we fucked up oh fuck <laughs> you do you like end of days sean i have never seen end of days oh dude you gotta watch You'd it love it it's it's a, it's, a, a, it's, it's the movie we're describing that we want Oh, okay. Perfect. Where Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, fights the devil, and it's great. Uh, but that is the other thing. Can we just go back to this 18 yes. Midnight's thing? Yes, please, please. Is that really how computers work? Nope. Wherever they were manufactured, that it adheres to that midnight? I really don't know how the time zone thing even really works. It's It was so wild to me when they were like, check where that computer is manufactured. And they're like, uh-oh, that one was gonna, manufactured in Hawaii. I'm going to sound like an idiot right now. Okay. How are there not 24 time zones? Does that mean, does that mean we does that mean that a, that a couple skip a few skip hours? Like there's like right now there's no like 7 a.m. anywhere. There's no like I will because I, I, I feel like mean. Greenwich doesn't Greenwich Mean Time fuck with it. Isn't there like a weird thing there where? 
I, I'm not sure how that time zone works. Like they don't go; they're not no, straight. No, no, no. Lines. It has nothing to do with the, it has nothing to do with okay. the lines of the longitude. Okay, it, it it has to do with uh with what basically the 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 country decides is their time zone. Like China has one for the whole country. Okay, and we obviously have four, not including Hawaii and, and Alaska. Right, and uh, it's just, but I the 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 fact that there were only eighteen and not twenty four. Seems it's, very weird. It's a head to scratcher. Me. I agree. But, all right, moving on. I um I love one of my favorite lines at the beginning is when Julie from Friends, that's what I'm going to call her, turns to Ken Olin and says, "Your wife do you called. Want to, do you want to exploit my Macy's discount?" <laughs> no, that's what she says. <laughs> she says, "Your wife called. <laughs> she said she's going to the supermarket. She'll call you back." That's that, that, this is this is another problem I have with this movie is for the guy in charge of keeping like the apocalypse from happening. Yep. He has so much time to call his wife and so share time. confidential information. Yes. Every phone call yep. he's telling her like deep government secrets. Yep. Also that's, has time to IM I with his daughter. Every- that's how I felt every year when I saw Obama's list of fucking movies books. and books. I'm just like, this guy is responsible. <laughs> Too much time. The fucking world safe and he has time to read Infinite Jest for the fourth time. I mean, come on. It's amazing. I, I mean, just, I definitely, this movie starts so, like, it's a very boring opening. And the I am conversation with his daughter where she tries to use his dad against her dad against her mom to try to get to go to this fucking party for New Year's. Um, I appreciated the the I am component because I think that's like early, early days, right? I, I ask you guys because I'm assuming you had I am. I did not. So, yeah, I had. Yeah, I had when, was that like was that in the late 90s? Is that when that started? Yeah, it started like 98, 97, 98 is when. When AIM, AIM became okay. yeah, AIM became AIM. But then I I really I noted that when she went like uh question mark exclamation point the number sign and he was like watch your language. I was like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that just that's so I I was just annoyed. I was just annoyed yeah, by that. It's bad bad writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah. so can we just talk for a second about the Jay Leno cutaways? <laughs> I understand that this was on NBC and I'm sure that they just called him up and said, Hey, will you give us, can we shoot you for 20 minutes without an audience? But it annoyed me. We'll give you a million dollars. Yeah. Oh, it's so annoying. But my favorite part was when they they, they cut to Ken Olin and his team watching it and they had to act like they were enjoying it and they barely (laughs) cracked smiles. (laughs) (laughs) The world's Eddie Valeno is so funny. Yeah. Yeah, the world. Is, their big got, day. Their big day is about to start, and they're watching fucking Leno, as as one does. I mean, Ugh. I assume as a late night writer yourself that you spent every night staying up watching Jay Leno, and, and yeah. your formative experiences with comedy were all Leno, uh, Leno bits, <laughs> jaywalking, mean, and, and and the like. I mean, I love I love jaywalking. I loved uh, his headlines bit, uh, uh, but yep. I did not. He's he's one of my least favorite hosts. And Very bad guy. But when we started at the Late Late Show, he 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 was in our opening video, and he came into the writers' room and to talk to all of our writers. And he's like, "I'm going to offer you one piece of advice: <laughs> write joke, tell joke, get paid." And he walked out, and we were all 
just sitting there, all the writers, and then our one, my one friend Ben just screamed, fuck Jay Leno. <laughs> and he probably heard us, but like, we were just so fucking. <laughs> I I want I I I'm thrilled that you that after I said he's a terrible guy that you said you 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 told a story about how fucking terrible he is. Uh, he's, he I I don't I don't think he's a terrible guy in the in the in the you know new Hollywood parlance of you know yes, rapists yes, yes. and 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 disgusting you know harassers. But I do think that he is the worst late night host we've ever had. Sean, have we had anyone worse? Yeah, that's a good question. Across all networks. Um, I, I mean, just for his longevity and like what he did to the like the format, I he's he's I mean, he's up there with the worst. I, I can't really I just feel like he, he here's what's interesting, because in my brain, when we were, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about how had the Hugh Grant thing not happened on The Tonight Show, which was because he was losing pretty regularly to Letterman. Yeah. Um, And then the Hugh Grant thing happens and for whatever fucking reason, it becomes this weird lightning rod and then all of a sudden people start to flock towards The Tonight Show. The Tonight Show, it just, it felt so boring with him. There was nothing interesting about it. He didn't care. And honestly, what I have known a lot of people who worked at The Tonight Show with him and they all said he was a great boss. He truly cared about his like writing staff and just Wanted, and Except like, when they he, were on strike. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> he, he, he's still a guy from Boston. Uh, so, <laughs> but like, I think like for the longevity sake of just being boring and churning out fucking nothing. Like, if you nothing. really, if you really think about like his legacy, it is yeah. zero cultural rent, impact. Dancing Edos and like Ugh. an occasional jaywalking thing that yeah. like. Jaywalking is like it, it's kind of humorous, but it's like Jay, he's better than Keenan Ivory Way and to Magic Johnson. But isn't Jaywalking feel like a Letterman bit? Like Letterman was all about wow. engaging with the sort of you know, with real people. Oh, probably. I would not surprise me at all. Very nice. Of you to, <laughs> yeah. it's very nice of you to say to Jay. That's a huge compliment for him. Yeah, uh, it's I, Letterman esque. The, the nicest thing you could say is one of his bits yes. could have been on Letterman. Fair. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, I I think Leno is our worst. And I think his interview style was awful. I think he he had a way of making fun of his guests to their face. Yes. And uh, belittling everything they've ever done. Whereas Conan, the best interviewer, the joke was always on Conan. Yep. That's and that's the thing is he never elevated moments like you'll see, like with Letterman and stuff and Conan, like. People will share those clips when something actually happens. But there's like one of the most interesting things I've ever seen on The Tonight Show that I've never heard anyone talk about was Mark Summers and uh, from Double Dare and Burt Reynolds got into a fight on the couch. And it ended with uh, Burt uh, Burt Reynolds smashing a pie in Mark Summers' face and Mark Summers standing up and going, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and Jay Leno's just there. He's just there. And like Letterman and Conan would have like elevated that moment. They would have tried to break it up comedically. They would have commented on it. Jay Leno just backs up and like lets it happen. And it's why what to me is one of the most interesting things I've ever seen on late night. No one talks about. 
I think there is a current late night host who's awful too, who I won't say, but, uh, <laughs> but I think everyone knows who that person is. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for not saying. Yes. No, no, no. I won't say that. I, I, I think that's, I think that's a smart thing not to say, but I think everyone knows, but I do. Oh, I do want to say one thing, Phil. Yeah. I think the narrative that, and this this was in this was in the, the the epilogue of the late shift, which is one of my favorite movies, and I've seen it a million times. It's great that uh, that Letterman was beating Leno until the Hugh Grant thing, and then Leno beat him for the next twenty years. Uh, is both true and weird, and because it presupposes something, it presupposes this idea that Leno and Letterman were of equal quality. And Letterman was buzzier in the beginning. Leno was essentially unknown. Letterman had had 10 years on his own show. And all Leno needed was a little push to have people see him and then appreciate how great he is. Because that's all that the idea is like when people went to, to Leno for Hugh Grant, they loved what they saw and never left. I th- So that's all truish. But I think that that should have been a big fucking red flag for all of us. Yeah. yeah you know, like a big red flag that like this country gravitates towards the, you know, the, 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 the warm fucking milk that Jay Leno is serving you yep. versus like the fucking smorgasbord of anything you fucking want could imagine. That's a little challenging, but still awesome that Letterman was giving you. Yeah. I think that uh, like something that people do not discuss enough about late night is I think uh, what people really want is something pleasant to fall asleep to. And I think Letterman is infinitely more watchable. Uh, and I think that also was part of the tra- trajectory mm-hmm. is like, it's like, why would I watch something I actually want to watch Yeah, when I could just right. put on fucking Leno and just hear like, you know, these monologue jokes and then like, he'll talk to Kevin a little bit. It's not interesting. It's easy to fall asleep to. But Colbert might have found yeah. that. And no, Sweet don't spot. get me wrong. Yeah. This is not the day of 20 million people watching these shows, but Colbert might have found that thing where he, He's hilarious, Mr. Rogers, right? Where he is soothing and he does feel like, you know, your dad in a lot of ways, but he's also super fucking funny and super transgressive and super subtle. And, and, you know, I don't feel like a fucking idiot for watching. He's infinitely more human as well. And I think like you, when you go into that, it's like he's angrier. We've all been angry for the last five years. Why wouldn't you watch the person who's feeling how you're feeling? And then like his competition. Uh, lots of friends who work on that show, lo- love them all. But that that is like trying to make you forget what's happening in the world. Correct. And like, I also think like, I mean, it, it goes to that saying that the landscape of late night television has changed dramatically since 1999. And when, you know, the, the Leno Letterman sort of, uh, you know, uh, situation transpired. I, I I do have a question for you guys, and I don't know that I have an answer, but I'm curious what you think, because I feel like Leno was the go-to guy when you needed to cut to a late night joke in the context of a film. hundred million percent. Yes, right? Like he was course. in every fucking thing. Yes. There's a reason for that. Please, that's that's my question. Like, wh- why do we think that was? He would always say yes. Leno okay. has never 
never in the mindset right. of turning down money. That's why like there's right. that whole thing of like he's never touched the Tonight Show money. He's right. always like he was always getting paid for the Tonight Show, but also still doing stand up every weekend, like right. at casinos right. and stuff. So yeah, when someone would come in and be like, "We'll give you twenty five thousand dollars to just tape something at the end of your show," he'd say yes. If you offer that to Letterman, he Letterman didn't even have time to meet his writing staff. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's let, also, it, yeah. Sorry, what was ahead. so interesting is because I tried a million percent on that. That's why it was so thrilling that Letterman agreed to do Man on the Moon. Yeah. Because yes, Letterman yes, yes. never did anything. Yes. It was always Leno yeah. who would do these, you know, the, the, the cutaways like in this movie, which make perfect sense, corporate synergy. But he was like, you know, Dave, for instance, when they wanted yeah. to do jokes about Dave, it yep. was Leno. And what I wanted to kind of bring up, guys, was there is no analog today. You wouldn't, if you were doing a movie about some current events, and you know, the other guy who would do this all the time was Larry King. And which also was like Larry King also had this kind of like pulse of the nation thing going on. Mm -hmm. But there is no Larry King. (laughs) You know, there's no nightly news show, nightly discussion show that everybody watches. Yeah. There's no Leno who kind of like in his 10 minute monologue just kind of like, you know, jocularly runs down what's going on during the day and makes fun of you. Uh, who, how do you, how do you show this in a film or a TV show these days? Yeah. I, I think they still try it, but it just doesn't have, doesn't cause like, work. like when Fallon was in, uh, only murders in the building, it felt weird and like, oh yeah, yeah. that, that's a favor. Like you could immediately go to that. He and then in, like and girls five ever same thing yeah ex- Tina yeah exactly so like yeah. it feels it just feels yeah because you they're too part of like you see them even when you don't want to see them at this point and what, like what would yeah. you guys do as 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 writers and smart people who are aware that that is not zeitgeisty anymore that is not how people get their information anymore it's a, I mean, I guess like, so what TikTok, comes to- baby I'd get Addison <laughs> well, Ray the greatest it- actress of all time. <laughs> my kids hate her i don't know why yeah, yeah. Uh, did they see her one movie that's why you know, i hate I, her well it's funny is they like it's just she was a star of he's all that and like my son who's nine was like oh my god addison ray was just in this like terrible movie like it like ruined her career on among the nines yeah yeah uh yeah. We, but, but, in in for instance yes yes i haven't seen don't look up I assume Don't Look Up has some kind of like, you know, well, Don't Look Up has Pulse of the Nation shit. Well, it has like a, it has this sort of pseudo Fox Newsy kind of uh, Regis and Kathy Lee characters played by Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry. So they're kind of the newsy kind of like a Brian Kilmeade type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's that's their way of doing that. I mean, I there's a version of this where depending on what your film is about, there would be credibility to having a Rachel Maddow or somebody like that popping up, depending on you know I, obviously planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. But I don't, I don't think that there's much merit or oh, I don't know if it helps you, for instance, to have, you know, uh, Seth Meyers or Colbert pop up. I don't know what it means. Yeah, it's, it's, it's also like uh, a movie I do not like, but they did something is Yesterday. Yes, and, yesterday. And he appears on Corden and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. that would totally happen. Like that kind of work yes. in that moment. Yes. But like, I think, and this annoys me because I hate when this actually happens in movies, but I think a podcast with like a reliable mm-hmm. podcast host would probably be mm-hmm. a way to do that. But I don't like that uh, answer. I, I I think everyone should just stray away from uh, pop culture commenting on what's happening in the movie. I do not like that at all. I, I don't disagree <laughs> with you. It's it's hacky and it's often used as a crutch to to barf up expositional dialogue or, or what have you. Um, but to Kenny's question, I do think it's a, a valid question, especially within the context of Y2K, which is that I, I guess, and I think this is what Kenny was sort of driving at, we're in a weird place right now where if within the context of your film or television show, you have to delineate information that is somehow getting to the masses, what is the media source that, that you That's exactly use? what I'm getting at. Yeah. And, and I don't I know think, what the answer to that is. And I think, that the, I think the fact that Adam McKay, who you know is having kind of a weird moment in the public sphere where people don't really know whether to make heads or tails of him, yeah. but... I think he's probably a little more savvy than most people who make movies like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that his go-to was, you know, kind of Ersatz Fox News does feel right to me in that a lot of the ways we get our information, yeah. like a lot of the, a lot of the country does get their information from Tucker Carlson, Sean Hattie, Laura Ingram, and the idiots on Fox and Friends. A lot of people also get their like disinformation yes. from from them, which is what I mean is basically like, okay, I will the only way those those clips come to me is if somebody retweets them and says, look at what this liar said, mm-hmm. or look at what this idiot said. I, I do think for better or worse, obviously for worse, but you know, those are the voices that break through because those are the voices that people are charged by. What a horrible situation we're in. Well, I, 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 I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. I'll just, I, I will say this though, more of devil's advocate than anything, but I do wonder if, you know, and for our industry, we talk obviously a lot about cord cutting and what is the, what, you know, uh, distribution methods and how people consume television, what have you, and what that's going to look like down the road. You know, that has to be a big question. You know, before we started getting on mic, we were talking about Succession. And, you know, for any spoiler for season three of Succession, if you haven't watched it, but one of the major linchpins of this past season was a Fox News-esque 
media conglomerate trying to figure out what the fuck we're going to do when people stop watching actual physical cable and 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 how are we going to fucking brainwash them you know down the road um and i do wonder what that looks like because kenny you're absolutely right which is that fox news is in the veins of people that still watch television from a cable box the question for me is what does that look like as we as we you know get farther and farther down this road and it and it sort of again comes back to your original question about what if you were to write a movie right now would be the thing and i think adam mckay is right to to use this sort of pseudo fox newsy type thing but it's just it is fascinating within the context of this film in particular where there's a fair amount of news footage this movie kind of ends on oh i wanted to ask the final beat of this movie is it a joke or is it supposed to be ominous I thought it was supposed to be ominous. I I thought at first it was like, oh, this is kind of a cute gag. And then it was serious. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what now? Couldn't possibly be a joke. Yeah, my <laughs> there there's a few things that also happen towards the end where yeah, they sure. every time it hit midnight, a city completely blacked out. Completely Just blacked out. Completely blacked out. <laughs> and then as soon as chaos reigned for 18 times. As soon as they introduced the nuclear meltdown, yes. blackouts were never discussed. Nope. No one talked if things went back online. Nope. nope. So they completely yeah. they erased 45 minutes of that movie. Like yep. well, it's you know what's interesting? And Kenny, we texted about this a little bit uh, earlier about the idea of like there's actually a, a halfway decent movie to be made of this premise, right? Like, I think that there's something in the water in the idea of us all losing our power, what that could mean. You guys ever see the trigger effect, the the David Kep movie? Um, it's Elizabeth Shue, Kyle MacLachlan. I think it's Dermot Mulrooney as well. And it's all about this blackout that hits suburbia and how basically everyone kind of loses their minds and it turns into kind of chaos and what have you. Um, I think, I don't know about you guys, but there is something quite unsettling about when your power goes out. Yes. Sean, were you in New York during the blackout? No, I was in New Jersey for the blackout. But but you were in New Jersey for the blackout. Yeah, you experienced I in, it. I experienced it. I didn't have any of the things where I shared cheese with the strokes. Like right, I did. <laughs> yeah, it seemed to be every blackout story. I was like, oh, the uh, Fabrizio Moretti knocked on my window. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I always think there was there was something magical about that blackout. Now yeah. a lot of it had to do with at least in New York, a lot of it had to do with being so close to 9/11. And sure, sure. people people were palpably relieved that, that it was just a blackout. Right. Right. I'll, I'll say right now, like based on history, I feel like the New York blackout was probably the last great New York moment. Like the New York blackout was the best fucking moment. It was it was the best it was the best cultural night in New York City I have ever had. Yeah, uh, why is that? Can you unpack that for people that haven't he, that didn't, he, didn't do it? All right, so so here's what happened. I don't know if anyone if if we've talked about this on on air. I don't think so. But uh, this is, I believe in like oh three or oh four. So it's it's very close to nine eleven. I live in Westchester at the time or my parents. Okay. Oh, no, no. I live in the city at the time. My parents live in the city. I'm visiting a friend in Westchester and driving back to the city when the blackout hits. So I'm on the West Side Highway when the blackout hits and my radio goes out, right? My car radio goes out. 
Okay. And then immediately you're like terrorism. You're like, I'm driving into New York city in the middle of terrorism. Uh, and, and once like you kind of got word that it wasn't terrorism, mm-hmm. I just continued on with my trip, which was to meet my friends in Riverside Park and get high, which was great. So I met my friends in Riverside Park Basically. on the west side. My parents live on the east side. I have my car, right? And I'm getting high as fuck. Sure. So at some oh, so at some point I get in touch with my parents who are afraid and are like, you have to get back here, like now. Like, come across the city. It's already black. We are already hanging out. We are, like, eating dinner and having fun. And I'm just like, all right, I guess I got to drive fucking across New York City with no power line, with no with no, with no, no lights and no anything. And I'm driving across New York City, and at every intersection, everywhere, there are just people who are, who are uh, directing traffic, just civilians, which was lovely. And then if you look up and down every street, all the streets are filled with people because all the bars yeah. took all their alcohol because they were going to die because they were going to go bad in their in their fridges and just brought them out of the street. So every oh, that's pretty rad. Work was a block party, <laughs> and I am driving through this, but like it, there was no knocking on cars, there was no driving too fast, there was no really? there was so there's no riots. It was just everyone's having a great oh, time. Oh, dude, yeah. it was it was it was it was so. Huh. Calm and peaceful and pleasant. That's nice. like there wasn't even like the, the hint of rioting. It was just that that wasn't on people's minds. Yeah, um, yeah so, I mean, I mean, all, I, yeah, my memories are all from uh, the Rolling uh, the issue of Rolling Stone from two weeks later, where they had a bunch of pictures of the Strokes, Ben Queller, Lenny Kravitz, uh, like all just living it sure. up and like coming together as a group. Like, and it was, mm-hmm. it seemed. It seemed incredible. It seemed like this great moment. And that's why it was like, Y2K, if everything's blacking out, people are, aren't going yeah. to be rioting because it's dark out. They're yeah, all there. It, I, that's, that was kind of the... I mean, again, this is like one of the problems with this sort of... Oh, oh I bet. Yeah, I, I, I want to I yeah. make clear my, my point of view on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% because of 9-11. Right. I, I think what we've learned is we're done. We're done with this idea of like, you know, shit goes awry and, and we all band together. Like right. at that moment, it was like, thank God we're not getting attacked again. Yeah. And now what? But it was not like, let's fucking take advantage of each other. So in 2000, I would pitch fucking face eating. You know, like 2000. <laughs> 2000, I go straight to the cannibalism. Because I, I, I have, I have, lo- I have lo- very much, you know, in 2021, lost my faith in humanity. And I do think that people would start taking advantage of people pretty quickly. I, I do want to just, um, I, I want to unpack one quick thing because I do think, and I, I, can't, I won't speak for you guys. And this is sort of, I'll ask a question and then I want to unpack it a little bit. But were you guys, at all worried about Y2K? Like as individuals, as we were approaching it, was it even on your radar? Was it something you were even remotely concerned about? No. I no, I I think I obviously remembered like people talking about Y2K, but I'm also positive, like I was a freshman in high school and I was definitely with my friends getting drunk that night and not caring yeah, if no, computers I, didn't know what year it was. I, I remember that night very vividly, actually. And yeah. uh, 
none of my memories are of is this about to end it was why is the girl i like making out with my best friend on my car <laughs> yeah that, that, uh, so, that would leave an know, impression that was a bigger deal for me <laughs> sure, in the sure. moment uh but yes. but I, I mean but you bring you you both bring up really good points because i do think that no one was worried about this everyone was like it's gonna yeah. be fine and, but i think part of that has to do with the fact that a bazillion dollars was spent to make sure that it wasn't a problem. Office yes, Space really I, got it right because yes. Office Space was the Office Space was like this is the most boring, painstaking process of all time, <laughs> but we're doing it. Yeah, you know. Yep. Yeah, I I think also. It just goes to show you how damaging the internet has been for the last 21 years is no one really did give a shit about uh, Y2K because they just assumed so the government was going to take like take yeah. control of it. And everyone believed in it. And sure, there was probably... Which they did. Which yes. They did. Which were <laughs> which plenty. Did. There were, I'm sure there were like mounted men with guns who were ready yeah. to shoot scavengers. But at the same time, the majority of the world just went on with their life and and didn't think twice about it. And now we are at a time where like there's definitive proof something's happening and we can't even trust the government. We're all well, it's, I mean, now. Well, yeah. If Y2K happened now, I mean, I don't I honestly don't know what would happen. I mean, we have just so much rampant disinformation, but I do want to give just a couple quick facts about Y2K. The total cost of the work done in preparation was an estimated $451 billion. The government calculated that the U.S. spent estimated $200 billion preparing for Y2K and another $20 billion fixing problems in 2000, 2001. Worldwide, almost $500 billion was estimated to have been spent on Y2K in general. Uh, in 1998, the U.S. government responded to the Y2K theory by passing the Year 2000 Information and Readiness Disclosure Act by working with private sector counterparts in order to ensure readiness and by creating internal continuity of operations plans, blah, blah, blah. They created created a President's Council on the Year 2000 Conversion, which the White House conducted in coordination with the FEMA Critical Infrastructure Production Group. I mean, shit happened. Like, really big shit happened behind the scenes. They took this more seriously than COVID. They yes. took it really seriously because so much money was on the line. Like, yeah, I think that, that's like the, the stock true. market yeah, yeah. would have yeah. fucking collapsed. Well, you, you saw, Phil, in your research, yeah. I'm sure, that the yeah. stock market yes. had changed over in the 80s yeah, because they, they had like, futures. Yeah, yeah, because no, it was, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> they, it's like it's like it, I always am so impressed by the amount of security at a casino because yes. like money's involved, yep. you know, and so they just take that shit fucking seriously. Yep. But out of the hospital, you can kind of walk in and do whatever you want because yep. human lives are involved. Way less important. But yes, the stock market had this shit on lock. Yep. And I think they just kind of went to the stock market and like, well, yep. what do we do? In like yep. 98, 98, they were just like, so what do we yep. do? And they're like, oh, you're fucked. It's, it's just, it's a, it, it is one of those things where like, if they had, if the government had jumped on it in the 80s when the stock market did, it probably would have cost half of what it ultimately ended up costing. Mm-hmm. But they were just like, eh, it's, uh, we'll make it someone else's fucking problem. Just keep kicking it down the, kicking the can down the road. But it, I, I, I just wanted to kind of underline this just to say that like, I too did not worry about Y2K. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little older than you guys, but still, you guys had it in Canada. We were. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't Fuck called you. like Y two A. All right, guys. See you later. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a mic drop. If ever there was one. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I do remember New Year's, obviously 2000. But I think the point that we're all kind of making here is. It's the biggest, right? The biggest New Year's you could ever imagine is the turning from 99 to 2000. And no one's worried about whether or not the fucking computers are going to work. And, and that security comes from the fact that the government actually did their job and made sure that the shit didn't hit the fan. It was, I, I'm, I'm, look, I was 0% like, afraid. <laughs> but I also want to say like the fact that it was out there yeah. probably made the whole thing even cooler. You know, that's yeah. that's true. That's true. Yeah, it it amped up the millennium thing that much more. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't mean to be such a liberal though, but I think if Dole had won in 1996, Y2K would have been an actual big problem. <laughs> I mean, I think that, you're right. That sounds right. That sounds <laughs> yeah. right. Without question. Yeah, I mean, I I do think it's interesting too. In the research I did, um, it is kind of funny. I mean, I guess funny, but like, so obviously the Monica Lewinsky thing happens top of 1999, right? And as as the election is is you know, we all know what happened in the 19, it, 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 you know, as everything was turning over, but Clinton really tried to bang the drum of like, guys, look at what I did with Y2K. And everyone was like, fuck off. We don't yeah. care. <laughs> because it just didn't seem sexy or important, right? Like, it's just like, you're like, yeah, you fix the computers, big shit. Like, why it's do I? Fighting t- it's fighting terrorism. They only they only know the ones you missed, you know? Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. If Y2K had been a disaster, I'm sure the Republicans would have, ju- you know, obviously jumped all over him. You know what? As just, they yeah. should have. I would have been okay with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I So um, <laughs> I, I do kind of... I, I want to ask about the, um, I guess, the climax of this movie, if that's even the right way to put it, which is this whole nuclear meltdown situation. Oh, I, there is one part that made me yeah. laugh so hard. And I think it was pr- because I ate an edible, but I, <laughs> I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. It is when he's like, let me in the containment room. And then they're like, you need a suit. He's like, we don't have time for the suit. <laughs> so he like ran in. And I remember I paused the movie. I was laughing and I just, I wrote down the, the sentence. So does he die 10 minutes after the movie's over? <laughs> <laughs> because He's been exposed to so much radiation. He chooses to just, and it's just yeah. him running through a steam factory yep. for about three minutes. Yeah, yeah. There's no question that, I don't know, a week later, he just completely, like his skin yeah. just melts off of his yeah. body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a crazy thing that I that I learned on the internet, on Twitter about, did you guys read about this Jimmy Carter dropping himself yes. into a nuclear power it. plant yeah. in Ottawa? Am- amazing. <laughs> Like, what? Like, I literally I could not have had any less of an idea that this happened. But for, for our listeners, essentially, you know, Jimmy Carter obviously was in the, he was in the military. Navy. He was in the Navy. I didn't know what he did. And there was some sort of a nuclear meltdown that was happening in Ottawa, in Canada. Uh, and he did, was so one, did, of the, did one of the, did one of the Canadian scientists take care of it? What? Did they call in a Canadian to take care of that? Because it was know. happening in Canada? 
No, they called what it Jimmy call? Carter. They, oh, they, they called it an, they called the Americans an American Americans. peanut farmer. An American <laughs> peanut farmer from Georgia decided to drop himself into a nuclear power plant in Canada, and you know, uh, saved saved us from ourselves. I know, so I know. I, I, they, I, I I texted that to people and got real wistful about the time when our presidents were actual like. Heroes, the best yeah. of us, yeah, you know, hundred percent. Um, yeah, Jimmy Carter is a bad president, but what a guy! Like, the, <laughs> honestly, maybe like the best guy to ever hold that, office. Sean, yeah. I, I didn't want to be the one to say it, but that's yeah. literally right. I wrote. I said even our worst presidents used to be <laughs> yeah. our the best of us. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, 100%. And, and it's true until the boomers came and ruined it, like they ruined everything else. It kind of did. Um, so I want to rate this because Sean, I want to get your thoughts on what we're covering next week. Um, so before this podcast, I gave this movie a 14. Um, out of 14? Uh, <laughs> yes, 14 out of a potential 14. Um, I gave this a 14 out of 99. I, I mean, I might go up to 20 now because I had a really fun time talking with you guys about it, but I, I don't, I can't. I mean, that's where I'm at. What about you, Kenny? Where are you at? I didn't even rate it, so uh, I didn't okay. think we were. I didn't think we were, we were seriously going to talk about it this much. But uh, <laughs> I thought we were going we to talk about like where we were in Y2K yeah, and yeah. all those things. But uh, which we but did I'll talk about. It. We talked about that I, stuff too. I mean, I, I'll rate it. I'm going to give it a thirty. Uh, I've okay. seen worse, I've seen right. worse movies, and sure. I'm wistful for the uh, the days the, of your the, the days of the MOW. Sure, sure. Uh, Sean, what about you? Uh, I I thought I was going to be a total. Uh, 15 out of 100, but I'm going to give it a 30 because Jay Leno was in it, and that oh. really surprised me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What a surprise! Yeah, I was yeah. surprised Jay, by Jay, Jay Leno and, and Joe Morton. You know, yeah, Joe it, you can't go wrong with Big Joe. What was his job? Did they ever talk about it? I thought he was it. the president yeah. for the first 25 minutes. I really, he disappears. It's a bummer because he's, I mean, he can do no wrong. Joe Morton should be in everything, but what, yeah. he, he He's incredible, but I mean, he's no 30-somethings Ken Olin. <laughs> he is no 30-somethings Ken Olin. Ken Olin, shortly after this, I think, turns to directing because he does the pilot of Alias in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. So. And writing. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. you know, Ken Olin, Ken Olin is still a pretty big player in the biz. Yeah, no, I mean, This Is Us is obviously huge. Yep. Um, so next week, we are covering... One of the big ones, uh, the one of the biggest films of 1999. We have Karen Kusama coming on to talk about Fight Club with us. Wow, that's such so, a good episode! I, yeah, that's, whoa, that's that's really great. It's a good pretty one. Good, huh? Huh? Yeah, pretty, we're, pretty good. We're, we're pretty good at our jobs. Um, I, I mean, no, that that that's just fantastic. I mean, like, yeah, Kusama rules. I know Kusama uh, rules. What are your thoughts on Fight Club, Sean? Okay, so I uh, is it Palinik? Chuck uh, Palahniuk, yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of loved him sure. uh, when I was probably eighteen. Yeah, and then I really fell out of it. Probably when I was about nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's like the original Edge Lord. Oh, really? Sure. But like, yeah. I I was obsessed with his book Survivor. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the airplane one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the airplane one. I really like that one, but uh. Because I fell so hard, like out of love with him, I've never gone back to watch Fight Club. Oh wow! Uh, so you've I, only seen it the one time in '99, no, or no? I saw it about uh, forty times from nineteen ninety nine to about two thousand four. <laughs> okay. I was obsessed with Fight Club, but I don't want to go back because I don't want to. 
either be mad at who I was sure. or, you know, like realize that I could have been watching it the last 17 years and realizing it's a masterpiece. I think it's going to be the latter. Uh, yeah, I would agree. It has been, it, it is, Fight Club has taken a really interesting trip through the last 22 years I agree. of pop culture. And I think it's settled into a uh into a place as like you shouldn't be embarrassed to love it and you should definitely have a pretty you know you, you should you should definitely throw up a pretty big caveat when you love it make it very clear that you don't want to go and fight people or blow yeah. up buildings <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, but you know there is a lot there and i, I even think the people who were edgelordy about it have kind of it, this like where they haven't really figured out the matrix isn't about what they think it's about yep. yeah I think people had figured out that like there is no way that this movie is actually telling you to go start a fight club. Like no movie would do that. No, no. And I, I think like I think Fight Club is like your your best case scenario boondock saints type thing. Is like uh, it, it's it's a it's a better made movie. I mean, like Fincher's incredible, like like one of the greatest directors of all time. Good director. Uh what a cast. Like yep. Brett Brad Pitt, like that kind of I mean like seven and stuff, but like Fight Club was his first like movie star, Brad Pitt. Before that, he was just kind of like the it boy who dated yeah, a lot of I people. Yeah, I totally agree. With you. It and also like, feels like the first meta, like it's it's the first performance that you felt like Brad was in on the joke that he was deconstructing the persona. I mean, all of that. And how bad could a movie be that Jared Leto gets the absolute shit oh, kicked it's out? It's the of best. Him? It's the best. I, I do think though, it's interesting what, what Kenny was I saying love, about the uh, uh, comparing it to the Matrix because I think both of those films are a perfect example of film filmmakers who who shit just ages like wine right where it's like they're so ahead of the game that like in lesser hands fight club would have been a super cool movie in the moment and it would have had no legs and it would have had no real cultural imprint moving forward and it's the fact that like fincher's shit just is so airtight and bulletproof and yet open to interpretation which is obviously you know we'll get into this in the episode but like similar to the matrix with your red pill bullshit, like just people that just choose to misinterpret because the filmmakers refuse to hand, like to spoon feed you what they're trying to say. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's exciting. I mean, that is, that is the problem with like truly like uh, great art is people when it's that good, every it, it's for everyone yeah. and certain people will always misunderstand it. Like all in the family becoming a ratings <laughs> hit. Cause they're like, that guy talks like me. And the whole point of the, movie, <laughs> the whole point of the show was to be like, he's bad. And then everyone is like, I'm a classic orgy. <laughs> <laughs> there is something. And it's, I mean, I, I do think that Mary with children had a similar sort of situation where like, I'm not sure. <laughs> As as someone as like, someone who has who has publicly said that it's you know probably my like best and most favorite you like you ever. love it I'm not that wasn't a judgment I and just mean you think that no 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 and it's it. kind of felt like maybe I was wrong and maybe it is the bad show <laughs> <laughs> I, sure. I, I think it's I think it's very it's very funny married with children but I will say some of uh, some of the misogyny doesn't age well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean I, I don't even know if it was around in '99. If I could even like, like I won't watch it anymore, you know, because because this is it. Married with Children really is that Fight Club thing for me, where I have gone back and been like, yep. 
I've told women that I love this show. <laughs> I I had the I had one of the worst nights of my life recently because I told my wife that I liked the movie Dude Where's My Car, and then I was like, I guarantee you're gonna like it, and it was. It's like the most abhorrent film I've ever seen. I was so Mad disappointed. Movie. I'm like so I owned it on DVD. I yeah. loved it's so bad. It's transphobic. I didn't know that at the time, or maybe I did. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Who's to say? I, I wanted. I, it's interesting you bring that up because we just Kenny and I just did a, a, a Razzie screen draft for the Screen Drafts podcast where we ranked all the the best worst picture winners on uh of, of the razzies and and the one i i won't spoil what one but one of the big ones was freddie got fingered which is a movie that i remember watching at the time similar to to your dudes where dude where's my car situation where it's like i remember watching it i remember thinking this is garbage like this is terrible like why would anybody like this i watched it again kenny and i both watched it again might be a masterpiece. Like, it's a hundred percent a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. It, it's so great. It is. It is a. It is somebody making exactly what they want to make and not giving into any notes. Anything. It's like it's. Yeah. Like, say what you will about, like, Jerry Lewis, but he's, like, true. Sure. The reason why the French love him is because he, like, adheres to, like, the auteur theory. Yeah. But, like, Tom Green does that. Like, yes. from beginning to end, what you're seeing is exactly what he wants to make. And yeah. it works. Yeah. People just weren't ready for it in 1999. I well, yes, I don't think people would be ready for it today. But yeah. I uh, I didn't say this on screen drafts because I didn't want to come off like a pompous asshole. But I'll say it on my podcast. <laughs> um, it's... It's a French New Wave film. It's the yeah. only the only film I've ever seen like this is uh, Jean Luc Godard's Weekend, and it's it 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 is the same level of like what the fuckitude where where it it's just it, it actually and because people hated this movie and no one treated it seriously, it 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 basically got lost to time. Freddie got fingered, but uh, it set the bar of what you can do in an American movie so far beyond anything that came before it. It made everything that came after it like like tame in comparison and, you know, a little more transgressive. I think it was a really important movie in my... I, I fully agree with you. And, and I, I also think it's worth saying that, and I, I'm sure, Kenny, you watched all the way through the credits with the, the gag reel and all that shit that they yes. did at the end. The very last moment of footage in the movie is a moment of Tom Green going, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that break, that moment of getting a slight window behind the curtain of him just being like, ah, this is fucking crazy. Like, what am I doing? I mean, <laughs> it's just it- great. It's the it's so great. It's so insane. Rip Torn's incredible in it. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, he's amazing. Yeah, I I still I like occasionally I will close my eyes and still see the compound fracture. Uh, oh, sure, sure. <laughs> like, it like it has left such a lasting impact on me. And then also, like when you see this cartoon, it's very funny. <laughs> the car- I would literally. Why hasn't anyone made that cartoon? Zebras in America should just be made. Zebras in America is a good a good idea. I mean, uh, honestly, I, you know, I, I I do feel like I mean. Freddie Got Fingers is a really good example. Fight Club is a good example. Yeah. Uh, Wachowski Sisters is a good example. Trust the geniuses, 100%. you know, like yes. just trust the geniuses. Yes. Uh, you're yep. probably wrong if you don't like something a genius made, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it really is. I, I mean, obviously, very excited to hear um, Karin's 
thoughts on it. Um, but I, I, I'm honestly, you know, as we, this is our final year of, do, of doing 1999. Um, so, you know, this is, this is the, the, the final lap for, for us talking about this year. And we couldn't have imagined a better movie and a better guest to start, uh, to start us off. So we're incredible. We couldn't excited. have imagined a better, better movie or a better guest to end our second. Yeah, I was just going to say, year. we can't imagine anything better than ending. And we also, you know, this episode is dropping on <laughs> the third. 31st of December. Uh, it feels like Sean is our ambassador of New Year's. It just felt right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel so disappointed that it's going from literally the worst movie and worst guest to the best movie and best guest. But you like, know, it's it's a roller coaster. Yeah, it really is a roller coaster. <laughs> and listen, like, I guess you know, honestly, positive vibes for 2022, and like, we'll end we'll end this awful yes, year. That's right. How we, although, how funny would it be mm-hmm. if they they did all of the math wrong and Y2K happens on December 31st <laughs> this year? Can I just say, Great. I don't I know if that. you if in your research. Sean, or you know, whatever you read about it, there was uh, there's another Y2K problem that apparently could happen in like 2048 or 2038. I couldn't understand it in terms of how it all works out with these fucking digital what have you, but like no one's prepared for 2038 or whatever. There's going to be a million ways to die before that. Oh, we'll be so dead. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> how yeah, what? I'll be I'll be very dead. Twenty thirty eight or or very stoned. So twenty thirty eight? That's not that. It's fi- I'll be uh, twenty thirty eight. I'll be fifty six. Yeah, you're that's. Gonna be, uh, I think you're going to be very much alive. Uh, well, I I think you're right. Yes, uh, I do statistically. Uh, but hopefully, mm-hmm. I am very much done working, <laughs> and my brain no longer needs to function at any kind of you know. Medium, I don't know uh, if you know this, Sean, but Kenny's level. Kenny's dream is is to forget everything. Is to <laughs> he does oh, not wow. want to memories to him are are a burden, and he hopes that he can forget everything. Wow. Memories memories are uh, a bad thing, and <laughs> I and, and I, and, and yeah, I it's wanna, a hot take, the hottest of takes. Is that memories, memories suck? Are, memories yeah. are memories are bad and unnecessary, and they stop <laughs> you from living in the moment, which is all that matters. Oh wow! Okay, that, I mean that's very like what is that Eckhart Tolle? Well, yeah, yeah, sure. It's yeah, yeah. the power of now, you know, mindfulness, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. See me, I like dwelling. I'm 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 still not over <laughs> anything. There's I've done. no I'm, way you like. That's my point. You don't like dwelling. Oh man, but I I'm like Beth from Real World uh, Los Angeles Homecoming. I have not forgotten every slight somebody has done to me, and I'm bringing it all up when oh, I see them. That's fantastic. Un- un- unfortunately, Sean. Neither have I, and that's my point. (laughs) I I am cursed with this memory. You seem to to think you're blessed with it. No, this is a this is a curse. So I hope it all goes away, and I could just you know I could be like the titi fly and just you know twenty thirty eight. Kenny is whatever's in front of me. I I I do. I watch. I eat. I hang out with the people. Hopefully, I can have intellectual conversations about history. But I don't need to think too much about my own life. Like it's. It's just not great. The only thing thing that it hurts ultimately is our rating system for 1999, which is you having to remember when you saw the film in 1999. Or if I saw it. No, no, no. But I, I, unfortunately, and this is the problem, this is the real problem, because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're talking about your, you're like like Beth from Real World Los Angeles, I remember everything that happened 20 years ago. I don't remember 
anything that's happened in the last nine years since I've had kids. That is true. Yeah. I like, I I've talked about my short-term memory a lot in therapy yeah. and like, yeah. Uh, my brain's mush. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, you've, I you have one kid, Sean. Kenny yeah. has four. That's a lot. That's maybe too many. <laughs> a lot of mush. It's, well, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of people pounding in my brain, but, uh, it's great I, stuff. that, I think the other thing now mm. we're getting to therapy. I think the other thing is absolutely my cell phone addiction, which I'm working on. Crushing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not I think that has I'm very like, much addicted just, to, to my phone, for sure. It has just destroyed my brain. Well, Phil, you should get what I have. All right, so we're being sponsored this week Are by we? the Light Phone, which is What's what this? I bought. What's this? This is one of those phones that psychos have that only has uh, texts and... No, no, no text. Sorry, it only has the capability to call people, uh-huh. get directions, listen okay. to music, or podcasts. That's it. And the idea okay. is everything you do is intentional. So you don't pick up your phone because you're bored and want to look at Twitter. Okay. It, uh, it has cut down on my phone time significantly. Um, wow. Well, um, that's interesting. Light, the light phone. All that's right. Interesting. All right. Hopefully they'll throw uh, some, throw some Sean, dollars our way. Sean, listen to our podcast anywhere so, you listen to podcasts, including on your light phone. <laughs> Sean, thank you so much for coming back. We can't wait to have you back. Um, for something down the road. It's going to be great. There's going to be some bad movie that I would love to talk about. When we're off, Mike, when we're done recording, I I do want to ask you about one quick thing. I just don't want to spoil it for our listeners. That being said, um, please rate, review, subscribe, listen to, you know, all of our podcasts, Patreon, all that sort of stuff. Um, So now that we're done, Sean, we're going to be starting a Patreon um, in the new year for 2009. Um, So... I don't know if you know this, but Boondock Saints 2 came out in 2005. Oh, shit. Uh, I did not so, know that. We're so mean to you. <laughs> I was I was so excited uh, thinking that, oh, man, maybe it'll be MacGruber. Yeah, you're you're going to get a glorious bastard. Nope. Well, no. You can, just to be clear, Sean, please text me any other movies that you want to cover in 2009. And obviously, we'll have you on for a good one, too. But we'd be remiss to not do Boondock Saints 2. So... You know. Oh yeah, I'm I'm in for Boondock Saints too. I've never seen it. Didn't even know. I thought that movie came out way more recently than 2009. No, there, no, there's no. a three. There's a third one that came out more recently. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Um, had three bites at that apple. 2009 is a great year because I auditioned for a lot of movies in 2009. Oh great! And oh man, yeah. I'm just like looking at this list and being like, oh yeah, I was up for <laughs> taking Woodstock. Taking Woodstock. Yeah. Um, well, Sean, let me know uh, which ones you want to come on we for. We didn't put Thank that you on so our much. list, huh, Rob? We didn't huh? put that on our list. We should. Yeah. No, I didn't, do, no I, I didn't do another bad Ang Lee movie. <laughs> it's a bad <laughs> one. It's really Fair bad. Enough. We did Ride with the Devil, which is just the worst. It was, it was brutal. Sean, right. thank you again. One last thing. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989. Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. 
For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.